Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Ali Petiti, and here on Trying to Figure It Out, we do exactly that. We try to figure it all out. We talk about things like mental health, social media, sex, and more, and we learn about life along the way. Today, I have on with me a fellow podcaster who co-hosts a very successful mental health and wellness podcast called Teenager Therapy. To give everyone an overview, I'm just going to read the summary of the podcast. Five stressed, sleep-deprived, yet energetic teens sit down and talk about the struggles that come with being a teenager, a podcast that's a coming-of-age story portrayed in real time, a culmination of mistakes and growth, and a reminder that you're not alone. They are 212 episodes in and have interviewed guests like TikTok star James Wright, the CEO of Instagram, and even Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Teenager Therapy is an incredible podcast doing incredible things, so welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Thomas. Thank you. Happy I'm so excited here. that you're here. Thomas and I met at a Spotify event and we were definitely the youngest ones there yeah. by far. We spent the whole night together. We ate together. We had oysters, which I've been very into lately. Yeah. And we really bonded. And I think a cool thing about that dinner was just the fact that, you know, it was a wellness event for wellness podcasters. We're trying to make people feel less alone and there's so many people struggling with their mental health, whether you're a teenager or not. So I'm really excited to have you here and just talk about your journey and what you're going to do next. Thank you. You are a sophomore at USC. I am an alumni of USC. So we obviously have to talk a little bit about that. So what is sophomore year throwing at you? You're a first semester sophomore. Surprisingly, not having the best time. Why is it not as great as you thought? I, I had a great time freshman year, like maybe because I didn't care as much. And now that I have to care a little more, it's yeah. a little more stressful. Um, I just feel like all my friends are busy <laughs> and parties aren't as fun as they are when you're just not a freshman, I guess. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like freshman is like the first time you do everything. Yeah, and then yeah. as a sophomore, it's kind of like this weird in between. It's the same old, same old. So yeah, nothing exciting. I, I get that. Yeah. I would say USC is one of those things where freshman year is like all new to you. It's really fun. It's all the firsts. And then sophomore year is kind of like you're figuring out who your real friends are going to be, who your freshman like freshman friends were and who's going to like stick with you for the rest of your college experience. And then I will say junior year, the end of junior year and all of senior year were by far my favorite like years at USC. It was just because you have so it all fun. figured exactly. out. Exactly. Okay. Like you just know what's going on. You kind of understand like how much pressure to put on yourself with the academic side of things and what to do socially. It's things definitely will fall into place. It's an adjustment though, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you currently involved in Greek life? I am not. You're not. Do but you plan to be? I have considered it. My brother was a big Greek life person. Uh, he founded a frat at San Diego State. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's um, sick. And he's just very fratty, like the most frat bro <laughs> you'll ever meet. And I had mixed feelings about it because I didn't think that I could fit in with that group. But I also saw the kind of privileges and yeah, just the friendships he made through Greek life. For sure. Um, so it definitely made me consider it. And I am still considering it. I just don't know if it's the right fit for me yeah. or if rushing as a sophomore during the spring semester is too late. I don't know. 
I feel like it could go either way. I think first off, it's always good to explore every opportunity and like, who knows, maybe there's a group of people that you haven't met yet that you could meet and they could be like the best friends you ever made or like, there's so many what ifs to it. And I think the beauty of it is like, if you do it and you decide two days in or one day in that it's just not for you or you make it through all of recruitment and then you're like, okay, fuck this. I'm not going to stay here. Like you have the power to do so. Exactly. But another thing is that like, Greek life is so questionable, especially at USC. Like, there's a big love-hate culture with it. Yeah. I don't know if it's something I want to associate myself with, but I don't know. It's a big question. Yeah, I think for me, I was under the assumption when I got to USC that I literally didn't have a choice. It was like, you have to rush, otherwise you will not be able to find a social life. And I think that goes into how problematic it actually is, because it's like, why can't I have just as much fun? Why can't I be just as cool if I don't do this? But I was under the impression that like I had to take that route to find my way. And so I went right in. And when I went to USC, they had rush in the fall. So when I got there, it was like first day of school, I was rushing and it was so chaotic. And I was like, holy shit, this is so not me. I ended up in theta and I loved it for like the time being, but I just wasn't a Greek life girl. And so I think that even if you do it and you don't want to be associated with it, you don't have to be like, I just never associated myself with it, but I still had it as a resource and an option for a social life if I wanted it. So, so you don't regret it. Okay. I don't know if I, (laughs) I don't regret it, but I wouldn't do it again knowing what I know now. Okay. But I think it's worth it for you to give it a try. Oh yeah. For sure. Why not? What's what's the downside? I'll rush and see how I feel. Yeah. The rush process will tell you how you feel. Like, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know immediately. Okay. So before USC, you grew up nearby in Anaheim. You've spoken a lot on teenager therapy about being raised in an immigrant family. Can you tell me a little bit more about your parents' stories and how their backgrounds have shaped how they raised you? So since my parents immigrated from Vietnam... There was just so much pressure to do well in school and like this is my one chance. My parents sacrifice so much and if right. I don't make something out of their sacrifice, then I will fail them. And this just kind of made me just like take everything so seriously. Like yeah. I don't remember a time in school where I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. Not even like first grade. Like I took it seriously because my parents were so set on me doing well in school and I kind of resent them for it but I also have to be understanding that they didn't have that same privilege and they're only concerned about my future right so it's just really like a lot of pressure yes a lot of pressure so do you feel like that's carried into your college experience like do you think that you feel like at USC the workload gets really stressful or do you feel like it's manageable I think college is a huge breath of fresh air because I don't have to worry about my GPA as much. I just, these get degrees and I'm just trying to pass my classes at the end of the day. So it's been nice. And it's also nice having distance from my parents. Yeah. So they're not constantly nagging about every little thing I do. For sure. Yeah. So on Teenager Therapy, you talk about topics like mental health, intimacy, sexuality, beauty standards, loneliness, and so many other things. Were those conversations you've had with your family growing up, or is that something that kind of surprised them when you started this podcast? 
that still doesn't really happen. My parents, that's not something they were raised to kind of like be mindful of. Right. They don't believe in depression. They don't believe in anxiety. Um, so growing up, I was a very emotional kid, like super emotional. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to control my emotions in a healthy way. And my parents never taught me how to either. They kind of um, punished me for it. Right. So it just made things worse. So it was hard. It was hard growing up and not having my parents as a source for emotional support. It's just, yeah. I always had to go to my friends. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know how much emotional support you can get from like a fellow 12 year old. Yeah, uh, <laughs> literally. So it was, it was very <laughs> isolating. It was an isolating experience. Yeah. Um, especially because I was figuring stuff out with my sexuality. That really severed um, the ties between me and my parents because they yeah. really didn't understand, nor did they accept it at all. Right. And it took a long time for them to kind of come to terms with the fact that I wasn't straight. Right. Until this day, it's still like a challenge, but at least they're more understanding of it. So obviously it was you were struggling with your mental health, but then there was also the element of you struggling with your sexuality. At what point did you start to express that to your parents or fill them in on what you were going through. Cause that's a lot to go through alone or with fellow 12 year olds, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever brought up my mental health until during the pandemic because my mental health was so bad during that time. Yeah. And I knew that if I didn't tell my parents that I needed to get help from a therapist, that I would continue a very, very long cycle of misery and depression. Yeah. So I finally told them and it took some understanding and they didn't really understand why, um, like I would need it in the first place, but eventually they caved in. I think over time, especially with the podcast, they have grown more understanding of mental health and acknowledge that it's there. For sure. Would, do your parents listen to the podcast? No. My dad, my family doesn't listen to my podcast. I, I don't even either. think they would know how to if they wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Which is good. Yeah. No, I think that that's been the hardest part about doing this and like creating this space because just in general, my parents watched me struggle for years and then I started this podcast and now I'm telling all these stories and my mom is like eating it up. She's listening to every episode and trying to like understand me better. And my dad's like, I can't listen to this. I support it. I'm so proud of you, but I just can't hear you tell these stories. My family wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. However, when I went to USC, that's when I like ran into the truth that like people are listening. Like it's not just like me speaking mindlessly into a mic in my bedroom and then like a bunch of strangers. It's like now I'm going to school with them and like I'm going to classes with them. So that's been very difficult and it makes me very reluctant to be myself on the podcast to share anything because now the person sitting next to me in class is gonna know right um not that like everybody at usc listens but there's there's like a handful definitely a handful i'm sure i get it it's definitely awkward i experience it i mean i work in like a corporate space so like on the side when i go to work i have to like put this side of me away and like it's it's a huge part of my life so when i have to like put it in a box that's definitely a hard thing to do and it can be uncomfortable or hard for sure 
Do you see yourself ever taking the podcast to something you do solo? Or like starting a new one or well, doing something different? You know, I went into the podcast not really thinking it would be a career. I thought it was going to be a cute little side project yeah. I would do with my friends and I could put it on like my college resume and call it a day. Yeah. Um, but it's become something really big and I don't know. I, I, I like podcasting. I like sharing my story and I like that I'm able to connect with so many people with yeah. just like talking about myself. For sure. I just don't know if it's something I want to pursue as a career. Right. Yeah. I get Because I never thought of myself as like a great speaker or like a good storyteller. Yeah. Um, but you clearly are. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> In one of your earlier episodes, you and your co-host spoke about the way your parents are only together because of us and not out of love. We actually just finished a divorce series on this podcast. And I think, you know, that's a really interesting statement because like I always say like do I wish my parents stay together do I not and for me I don't but I guess I'm kind of curious if you feel a certain pressure from that and if so how do you manage it it was actually really interesting because I listened to your first episode and you're talking briefly about divorce and I was thinking like would I have wanted my parents to stick together or like I mean they are together but like <laughs> to split I don't know and I also think it's a little more difficult to answer because my parents have to be together because of financial reasons. Like they, right. they're all that we have and without each other, they would struggle so much harder. So I don't know. I, I think they're definitely not the most compatible people. Yeah. But they make it work yeah. to an extent. Do you feel like growing up watching them make it work has affected you for sure it definitely has affected me i i remember every time they would argue my brothers and i we would just you know we would acknowledge it we kind of yeah. trauma bonded over that it kind of became normalized at a certain point i kind of stopped like caring yeah whenever they would argue whenever they would get in fights i kind of just brushed it off but it gets me and it I always want, I, I take my mom's side because she's always right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it would be nice to have imagined her in a happy relationship yeah. because I can tell that this relationship isn't making her happy at all. At the end of the day, like they're still together and yeah. I kind of have to accept it for what it is and hope that yeah my dad changes for the better and my mom like helps. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think it's, really hard I don't know if there is like a a perfect solution to any of that stuff but I just thought it was interesting you know the question of like being together yeah. just for the kids or for the sake of being together not because there's love and I think that that can be something that kids carry with them for a really long yeah. time yeah the grass is greener on the other side like always and yeah I say that like you know maybe I really want them to split up and just find happiness on their own and yeah. live a life without each other. And I feel like that could make them really happy. Yeah. But I also think not being able to see my parents, like both my parents on a daily basis, that definitely would have messed with me. Yeah. So. so you were 15 when you started teenager therapy. What has your relationship with your parents been like since starting the podcast and being at USC? I think the podcast gave me a lot of freedom because it gave me opportunities to 
go to Los Angeles and work with companies. And that was really nice because I wasn't always stuck in Anaheim. And yeah, that independence felt good because my parents are very nitpicky about like everything I do. Yeah. So it was nice. It was and it was a good excuse. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to go party with some friends. It's like I actually it's for work. Like, yeah, this is going to benefit me in the future. <laughs> yeah. So I have to go. Yeah. Um. So that was really nice. But in terms of like personal relationships, it didn't really change. I think I finally had a better support system because of the people in the podcast and my listeners. Yeah. They were like a huge support system for me so that was really nice yeah um but i feel like my parents were just kind of there like i didn't necessarily yeah build a relationship with them now that you're at usc you know you talked a lot about the pressures that your parents put on you to have good grades and do all that do they still you know follow up as much and want to know how you're doing in school and want to know like what's next for you what classes you're taking like do they put that pressure on you even in college i think as soon as the podcast was taking off and my parents saw the opportunities I was getting. They yeah. kind of were like, okay, you got it. Like, yeah. we don't have to worry about you anymore. By like the end of like senior year, I want to say maybe even earlier than that, but they stopped worrying too much. They let me do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And especially at college, I mean, there's like no way for them to just bust in my door and ask like, what are you up to? Yeah. So, <laughs> independence is nice and they it's trust so me nice. which is really really relieving yeah and i trust myself so yeah. that's amazing that's the most important part at the end of the day so you talked a lot about your siblings too what has your relationship with your siblings been like since starting the podcast and being at usc my relationship with my siblings has always been really really rocky just because i felt that i couldn't relate to them on a lot of levels whereas my younger brother, my older brother, like they could talk about sports and they always were talking about like Call of Duty and, yeah. you know, just like very masculine things. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily real big into that. Right. So it was hard for me to talk to them about anything. But since starting the podcast, I think my older brother, it's kind of a way for him to know more about my life without... Right having that uncomfortable conversation with him. Yeah. Because we've never been the type to just share things. I don't think he listens to, like, every episode, but he listens every now and then. Yeah. And it feels nice because I know that, like, he's just checking in. Yeah. But we don't have to have that, like, weird talk. I want to get there someday with him where I can just, like, share my feelings with him. But that's never been our... Our relationship so that's gonna have to wait um whereas my younger brother i think starting a podcast kind of helped him a lot too with yeah. his mental health and his experiences kind of helping him feel like okay well i know that i went through this right so he doesn't feel so alone absolutely about it so that helps us talk like i can talk to him about anything now which is great yeah. that's amazing but my older brother needs some work. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you one more question about your relationship with your parents. And it's totally fine if you're not comfortable getting too into it. But at what point did you come out to your parents and how did they react? Coming out is such a blur. And even though I talk about the experience so many times, I never remember like when it was yeah. or like how it truly went down. But I feel like it happened sometime in seventh grade, which was really young. Yeah, that is um, young. 
I kind of regret it now because I feel like there was it wasn't really necessary and I only did it because a bunch of YouTubers were doing it and it's like <laughs> oh well I want to get closer to my parents so right. I'm gonna tell them that and they weren't very accepting of it so that made me go through like a really really dark time basically like all throughout middle school and high school um, but at some point in high school I did kind of just accept that I couldn't expect them to understand because of like yeah. their cultural backgrounds but I'm glad they're at least like trying to embrace it yeah so. There's so many layers to it, and I'm yeah. sure it's a never-ending journey. Being able to come out at that age, you're able to be yourself to the fullest at a young age now, and you're in college, and you're able to be who you are, and you don't have to worry about coming out in college, and like hopefully you just get to continue being embraced by your parents and slowly making progress with them and just finding your way and who you are and what relationships are going to come to you, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I have to remember that everything happened for a reason. Yeah. We're going to talk about your mental health journey. So obviously a recurring theme of teenager therapy is mental health. Before starting the podcast, you expressed that you were experiencing a lot of struggles with your mental health. Was that something that you and your friends at school talked about a lot? Like, how did you get to starting the podcast about mental health? I didn't even like intentionally try to be open about my my mental health. I just couldn't hide it. Like, I was just very emotional I and understand that. if something had upset <laughs> me I was gonna show it like I I couldn't control it enough so people just knew that I wasn't the most emotionally stable I never really like went into detail about everything but people knew and I yeah. would like oh yeah like I'm just having a tough time and the podcast was started because my boyfriend at the time uh, he was listening to Couples Therapy by Casey Neistat, mm -hmm. and he really enjoyed it. He felt that he could relate to a lot of things that him and Candace were saying, despite them being like a married couple. And we were, what, like 14? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how young we were, but we were young. But we could relate to a lot of it. And because of that, it kind of inspired him to start the same thing, but for teenagers specifically. Yeah. I think him wanting to start that for teenagers was encouraged by like my mental health, I guess. Yeah. Like he, he saw what I was going through and he was going through a lot too. Yeah. So it helped him like find a passion for it and like, oh, we, we have stories to tell. So yeah. let's tell them. For sure. Can you walk me through just a little bit more detailed what your specific mental health journey has been like? Like, do you have a diagnosis for something? Do you struggle with a lot of different? I mean, honestly, I have been diagnosed with like four different mental health mm -hmm. issues at this point. And at this point, I don't even like to label myself, but I guess just to get more background on specifically what you were going through. Can you tell me a little more about it? So I didn't start receiving therapy until like during the pandemic. So junior year, it was an interesting experience. I don't think I like fully experienced like the feeling of like having a good therapist to talk to it kind of just felt like I was talking to somebody about my problems and they were just like yeah cool like it was just very surface level I never yeah. felt super close or that we were making like groundbreaking discoveries yeah. um kind of just knew everything that she told me so after like a while she had to leave the company and it was just like okay well I mean you're leaving I'm not getting much out of this, I feel like. So just no more therapy for me. Ever since then, I haven't seen another therapist. I have 
been wanting to go back into it. It's just so expensive. I never got diagnosed for anything. I'm pretty sure I know like some things I'm going through. I just don't want to self like diagnose. I think it's really interesting what you were saying about therapy. I have been in therapy since I was six and it's taken me until I was 24 years old to find a therapist that I actually couldn't feel more connected to. And I think that you know, every therapist is different. There's all different types of therapy and therapists that, you know, offer so many different types of help. I finally found a therapist who specializes in so many things that I need the help with, but also is a human being and tells me about who she is and what she struggles with. And I think that that's been like such a good dynamic for me because sometimes in therapy, like you said, it feels super surface level. Like that person kind of is just like, okay, cool. Like good to know. Like now I'm talking to someone who I feel like I know her and I know what her personality is. I know like how warm she can be and how much better she can make me feel. And we have such a good cadence at this point that now I feel like I've found someone who's really helped me. So I guess I want to ask you when you were in high school, did you feel like, because you couldn't open up to your parents about it and you didn't feel like they would help you get help. Were there resources available to you as a teenager in high school? Like what, what did you have available to you that wasn't necessarily therapy? I think the only thing that I had was like high school counselors and high school counselors are there to help you like get to college. Yeah. So there's not a lot for them to do or say to help you get through this like yeah. really tough time in your life where you're trying to figure everything out and you're still n- trying to navigate school. So I, I did see my counselor like maybe twice, mm-hmm. but I I mean, yeah, it was only because I had to. And like the security person caught me crying and they're like, you have to see her. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. That yeah. happened to me <laughs> so many times in high school. Oh my God. I think that's why I like love the message of your podcast so much though and kind of what I was getting at with that last question is just there's no resources for especially for teenagers and then add on the fact that some parents don't accept it or don't know how to help that adds another level of like another barrier of lack of help and resources so I think your podcast is so special and has probably helped so many people and I wish when I was a teenager that I had it (laughs) thank you So I read when you started your podcast that you weren't all really close friends. So how did you decide to start a podcast where you'd be spending so much time together? Honestly, I don't even remember like (laughs) the decision making behind who was going to be part of it. Mm -hmm. I just know that I was obviously going to be part of it because I was like dating him. Our relationship was so messy. I never knew when we were together or when we weren't. That happens. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I was part of it because I felt that like, Or we both felt that having people that were in a relationship would be very insightful. Yeah. And the others kind of came to be because we were like just trying to think of people we could vibe with. And I was close with Kayla and the two other guys were closer to um, Gael, my ex, a.k.a. like host whatever yeah um yeah so so he just kind of picked them because he felt that they could bring something there was like no logical decision it was just who wants to be part of it like do you want to be part of it and they did and since then we've gone really close but we've also gone really like not close like does it get toxic it gets so toxic oh my god (laughs) like i i don't know how we're still together sometimes like i don't know how the podcast survived because there are a lot of times where 
we like could not stand each other. I mean, just hearing that you and your ex are yeah, on a exactly. podcast together is like, like, it's how insane. do you guys manage that? Everybody asked that. And we're just like, we don't know. Like, <laughs> we don't know how we're managing it. Is there still like tension there? Like, there is a lot of tension. And, you know, we try so hard. We really do. We try so hard yeah. to be civil with each other. But at the end of the day, so much history, so much yeah. pain, so much like resentment. Of and course. so it comes out a lot. And even just like talking about like something non-related and then suddenly it becomes like something between us. And yeah. And yeah. there's also like drama between me and the other hosts and just like miscommunication or just things they did and i don't know it's hard to navigate uh, yeah. especially with multiple hosts that's yeah. definitely hard to navigate that's, that's one thing that is kind of nice about isaac and mark the uh, two two of the hosts they left and it's been nice to just have three people yeah and i'm sure it makes a huge difference it does it's because, way less coordination yes, especially yes. now that you guys are in college and you're all kind of doing different things like i'm sure the scheduling gets hard and all of that is yeah and there was definitely lot. like some of us took it more seriously. Some of us definitely didn't even want to be there, but yeah. didn't know what to do if they weren't. Yeah, it's it's been tough. And there were times where I thought I was going to quit, but I'm glad I stayed. Yeah. And I hope that our relationship just becomes more stable. Yeah. Yeah. For I think sure. it's okay now, but yeah. definitely like a year ago. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Horrible. Obviously your podcast is super successful. At what point, did it pick up and how did it pick up like what what changed and what made it get to where you are now you know from the beginning it always was kind of doing well just because a lot of people loved the idea of it but it didn't really pick up until the pandemic happened you know people were stuck inside yeah didn't know what to do mental health was a really big topic at the time and this reporter taylor lorenz who writes for the New York Times, specifically about pop culture and stuff. She wanted to do a piece about us. And mm-hmm. ever since that piece came out, that changed everything for us. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, because I'm pretty sure that's how Prince Harry and Meghan Markle like found out about us. And yeah. How, and as soon as like that was published, a bunch of other publications started coming out, doing yeah. stories about us. And yeah, it's it's been a wild journey. Yeah, I can't Shout out imagine. to Taylor. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Okay, I have to ask, what was it like interviewing Megan and Harry? Honestly, I like blacked out for like so much. <laughs> like, I was just so nervous. Like, I, I didn't know imagine. how to act. And, you know, we spent the whole day prepping for it. Like, cameras, lights, trying to figure out like what we can ask. There, were, It was very like controlled. I'm sure like, there's probably so much security. Yes, and so like, much security. Oh and God, I can't it was just really intimidating. But... They were really sweet people, like yeah. very genuine. But also I was only talking to them for so little. And for most of it, I was like trying not to panic. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was hard for me to like register like what was going yeah. on. All I can say is like they're really sweet people. Yeah. And it was something I could never forget. For sure. Yeah. I'm sure you get this feeling too. When I tape a good episode, like there's something that just feels so good about it. And it doesn't have to be like the biggest guest. Anyone who comes on and is willing to share something really personal feels like a huge gift. And so for me, like last week I taped an episode that I was so excited about. And like we all went out for dinner after and we got drinks and we were just so excited because it just felt so good. So I guess I'm curious what 
episode kind of gave you that feeling? Some episodes that stand out. Maybe me talking about getting cheated on. That was pretty big because it's like a huge part of the podcast because, I mean, my yeah. Like the guy who cheated is he's in the podcast right with next me. to you yeah he's right next <laughs> to me and it's not talked about because i mean i don't want people to like perceive him that way and right it's just very tough it was difficult to like agree on what we were gonna do like i wanted to talk about it obviously yeah he didn't understandable but <laughs> eventually we did talk about it and i'm so glad we did because i felt like it gave um the listeners a lot of insight into why him and I have like such a messy relationship. Yeah. And it wasn't just like petty stuff. Like he for real hurt me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think that was really big because I shared a big part of myself and my pain. And I'm just glad I was able to talk about it finally. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that he gave you the space to talk yeah. about it. That's to him. Super it was the least important. he could do. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think makes the podcast so successful? It's niche and it's not something that's done often nor that is done consistently. I mean, it's a podcast for teenagers by teenagers. And, yeah. a, you know, majority of the podcasts that are being made today, it's by adults because they have like the time, they have the money to do it. Whereas we took a huge risk in doing it and it just kind of popped off. And I think the reason it popped off was because we were really consistent and we were really committed to sharing yeah. our stories and making sure that, mental health was being talked about um, for our generation. So I think that's why. I also think that, like, nobody does it like us. Like, and I understand that. Like, people at school, and yeah. they don't have the funds to just start a podcast. And we also have the audacity to think that, like, our stories are worth telling because yep. I think for a lot of people, if if my ex didn't, like, introduce the idea, I could have never imagined myself talking about my life. Like, yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought it was anything worth telling right. because I'm just like another teenager. And at the end of the day, I am another teenager. I'm just, I just have the guts to tell my story yeah. and like be perceived. Thank God you do. I mean, it's <laughs> a huge thing. You're helping a lot of people. What do you think is an opinion that you had before starting the podcast that has changed since starting it? Maybe that like someone can be like, someone has to be a bad person or a good person. And yeah. I think for the longest time, I kind of was like, oh, my God, no, he's such a horrible person. Like, he did this, he did that. But, you know, after doing the podcast for so many years and just hearing so many different opinions and, like, seeing people grow and make mistakes and um, in pop culture with, like, cancel culture and all of that, it's like I've learned to be more open-minded about people and not judge them yeah. based off, like, one bad action they've done. Sure. Um, depends on like the action, obviously. But, you know, I used to think that if someone did something bad, then they're a bad person. Like, yeah. and there's no way of fixing that. But I think if we have that mindset, there's no room for change. And I don't know how we expect everyone to like move forward from it if we're just going to hold them to that issue for Absolutely. like the rest of their lives. Yeah, I've just grown to be a lot more understanding of people. And I don't try to, like, antagonize anyone or victimize anyone. I think yeah. people have a lot of layers. And they're, like, very complex and a lot yeah. to figure out. 100%. Yeah. What piece of feedback from fans has been the most valuable to you or has made you feel the most proud of what you've been doing? 
I don't know if there's any like specific message or like anything that anyone has told me that I'm like, like has super resonated with me. I think just the fact that like people do it at all where like they DM me and they let me know like how they're in the same situation, how much they've resonated with my story and my mm-hmm. experience. It just, it feels good. Like knowing that I'm at least helping one person out there. Like sometimes I feel like I'm talking about the most useless shit or like <laughs> I have like nothing to offer sometimes, but it's nice because someone will tell me like, Hey, I really enjoyed the latest episode. Like I completely get where you're coming from. And I hope you know that like you really helped me and that we're going through it together. And, it makes me feel good and it's keeping me going with the podcast because if I'm helping one person, that's all that matters. For sure. So you've mentioned that a few people have left the podcast and you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, you've considered leaving, but you're glad you stayed. Do you see yourself eventually leaving? And if so, what do you see being next for you? Yeah, I definitely don't want to do this forever. I think As much as I love being able to share my life with people and I've been able to help people because of it, I think I also want some time to just grow on my own and like live a life that goes beyond just like having to share everything about myself because it does feel like really weird to have my life out there. Yeah. Like it scares me. It like genuinely scares me that 15 year old me is out there talking it is like <laughs> you should not be listening to me like i like that's a crime oh my god I, I like think about it a lot and i just want to not have to like share everything about myself i don't know how long i want to keep on doing this but maybe in the next few years i'll leave um i definitely still want to like be in like the mental health workspace and of course um Maybe in the entertainment industry too, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Not really sure. Just know that I don't want to do it forever. For sure. I want to branch out into something that is still equally as creative and helpful to people. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, like as a teenager, you have so much that you're learning and figuring out. Now you're in college. Do you feel like you've had to kind of change how open you are on the podcast and share a little bit less so that you create these boundaries to you know, protect yourself in school and in your social life and all of that. I don't know. I feel like I have a really bad time with like setting my own boundaries and I tend to overshare a lot just because yeah, I can and I feel pretty comfortable sharing things about myself, mm-hmm. but I have tried to make an effort to like not be so open about everything like my sex life. I try to keep that as private as possible. Yeah, I, I think that's the main I try to keep private and everything else I'm like pretty comfortable sharing Mm -hmm. but I know not to feel pressure to ever talk or say anything that I don't want to just because it'll be like good content or anything like that yeah I mean I just kind of have to remind myself that like I'm a person like at the end of the day like I'm not gonna say the right things like I'm not gonna be the perfect person that people want me to be and yeah I think anyone with the platform they're immediately held to like a much different standard and held accountable for like everything and I hate that like I hate that people might put me on a pedestal just because the podcast gave me a platform because I'm just I'm the same as you you know like I'm just trying to figure it out and I'm not always gonna make the right decisions I'm not always gonna say the right things um I wish people would understand that more because I feel like they don't they don't I have to remind myself that 
I am a person. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be perfect. No, absolutely. But yeah. I'm so impressed by you. You've done so many amazing things. And something I do on every episode is called Alpies Three. It's basically my way of including music into the podcast and you know, just making it a little fun at the end because sometimes episodes can get a little heavy. So for you, can you just tell me three songs that you are loving right now as a sophomore Ooh, in college? Okay, I have to look at my Spotify. That's hard. No, it is. But I recently went to New York and while I was there, I just, these three songs were on repeat. One is in Spanish. I don't know if I can pronounce it. I probably can't either. I'm oh so God. bad at that. I mean, I can look and try to pronounce it it's, if I know um, it. The Amor one. I don't know. Do you see it? Oh. Illusion, the more. All right. Amor, I'm gonna, you said know. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I butchered that. I know I did. So please. Hopefully you can just like no, I'll, see it spelled out. Yeah, no. Yeah. We can like put up some subtitles for yes. this one. <laughs> I don't know. Probably wasn't the best pick because I can't pronounce it. But okay. I. it's a very, very pretty song. Forever by the Little Dippers. Super cute. Super, super cute. What's like one song that when you go out at USC is always oh, on? Oh, 212, Azealia <laughs> Banks. Oh my God, that, it gets me. It really does. That song is a night starter. Yes, And a is. night ender, but it's definitely a it's night so starter. It's so good, it hits every time. <laughs> it hits every time. Yes. Okay, well that brings us to the end of our episode. I want to thank you so much for being here and making the time to come from downtown to come to the studio and tape with me. I loved talking to you. I got to know you decently well at the dinner, of course, but I haven't seen you since then and I'm excited for our blossoming friendship and to just see where things go. I look up to you a lot because this is a new podcast and you have 212 episodes out. I have like 25 at this point and so i'm a baby to this space but i definitely look up to you i'm definitely inspired by everything you and your friends have been doing so i have so much respect for you and i will always be here if you ever need anything that's so sweet thank you so much thanks for having me of like course. i'm so glad something came out of this and I it wasn't know. just like networking and then like no, never same. talk to each other again 100%. i'm so glad yes thanks this for having is, me this, this was is great. just like us doing some work stuff we're obviously going to hang out separate from this of course, of course. i'm going to come to usc and join you for a party yeah no let's do I it need to let's. run it back <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, well, thank you to everyone listening. I hope you all took something away from this episode and I will see you all next week. 